0: we hope you enjoyed the message if you'd like to watch a service live online you can join us every sunday at 10 a.m at live.faith.church for everything else visit faith.church that's faith.church it's a good day so proud of you for weathering the weather the rain i told my wife i said man pretty soon we're going to turn into like a jungle around here like we can all this rain which I would love to be awesome. Hey guys, before I get started today, I want to welcome some really uh, special people who are with us. I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but uh, we we have a really close partnership with Joshua Nations and um, Jason and Anna Holland who who lead that ministry are are also part of our church, which we're really honored that they are, and they teach our Bible U as well. But they have constituents from all over the world who are here. There's uh, 32 of them, 12 countries. Would you guys all stand so we could see you? Awesome. We love y'all. So great. So just, just so you know, we got Belarus, Brazil, Cuba, India, Myanmar, Pakistan, South Africa, Sri Lanka, Tanzania, Uganda, Zambia, and there's even some people from the U.S. over there. So that's really great, huh? Come on, let's give one more hand. Um, today's message is something that's vital. It's vital for the days that we are in, and we've been in this journey looking at the life of Paul, learning from him. What, what, was the, what, what were the hallmarks of Paul's life? What were they? And we see, yes, it's the gospel. Yes, it's suffering, and yes, it's courage. And, and, but today, everything, most of what we have and understand about even the gospel and the cross, the apostle Paul gave us in his letters to the churches in, in the Bible that he wrote letters to them, and we have them in the Bible that we read. And we learn doctrine from him. We learn understanding of of spiritual things. We we learn understanding of church discipline. All of that comes from the Apostle Paul. But today, there's something that I'm gonna share with you. I'm gonna do it in two parts this week and next week, but I'm sharing with you something that is an essential part of Christian life that isn't talked about often but it was important to Paul. And so he's writing a church in Ephesus and he's in prison and he's wanting to say, how can I help them understand what being a Christian is like? And so here he is, it's AD 62. He's in prison with the Romans again. It's a very dark area in in this prison. There's no ventilation. There's no plumbing. There's the stench of human human uh, just waste, it's, it's burning his eyes, I would say. And so Paul is sitting and he's writing these churches. His body is tired. He's frail. He's aging. His beard and his hair are probably matted. And for as a faithful servant of Christ, he begins to pen a letter that I believe is for us today and the days that we are living right now, we need to understand some things. And so Paul, leading up to this chapter we're in today, has just taken his time and told the church about their identity in Christ, what Jesus has done for them, understanding who they are now being a part of the kingdom of God. And And he concludes and he sums up the whole book with this very important thing. And he's like, what can I tell them what being a Christian is like? What, can I, what, can I, what picture can I put in their mind so they understand this is what a Christian life is like? And he looks up and he sees a Roman guard and he says this, that's what it's like. It's like being a soldier. And then he begins to pin what we understand today and we would call spiritual warfare and begins to tell them about spiritual warfare. And spiritual warfare is something that people are uncomfortable about because people get kind of weird about it sometimes and, and it sparks all kinds of ideas and people write books about it that, that, that are some are weird, some are right. And so we kind of avoid the reality of it. But here, if we don't understand this, we're not going to be The Christian that God has called us to be and like Paul was calling us to be in the church to be. And so we're in Ephesians chapter six, and then we're going to get into this today. And I believe God's going to strengthen you. He's going to encourage you. And what we need to understand today, friends, is that we live in a spiritual world and that being a Christian is like starting in verse 10. Finally, speaking to us and to believers, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand. Everybody say stand. Stand. So that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against authorities, against powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, because of that, put on the full armor of God. So that the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm. And then he gets into the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, all this I'll, I'll talk about next week. But I want to talk about this first part. You notice Paul is saying, listen, finally, you, you've got to get this. You've got to understand this. All, all of this is in context of what I'm about to tell you. Being a Christian is like being a soldier. And being a Christian, I don't know if you noticed how many times he said in that, in that passage, is about you standing. Standing for the things of God. Standing for who you are. Standing for what God's word says. It's about standing. And so we're going to look at spiritual warfare today. And what we need to be aware of, and even though we know this, but we forget it, and many times we want to forget it, that we don't just live in a natural world. We live in a spiritual world. There are evil forces at work in our world. And I believe every Christian, it would do them so much good if we became aware of that reality and we understood that we live in a world where demons are real, Satan is real, and they hate you. Isn't that encouraging? <laughs> they hate you. They hate you. Well, I'll get into it because that's, that's a really good point. I'll wait. They hate you. They hate the things of God. They are Also, absolutely terrified of you living out and walking in the authority that Jesus has given you. Absolutely terrified. So today is the purpose is for you to come to an understanding that we live in a spiritual world. And to understand God's called us to be men and women of God who stand, who hold, who proclaim, and who submit all things to Christ. So today, first thing I want to look at the normal Christian life is, like I've already stated, number one, the Christian life is a life of spiritual warfare. So spiritual warfare is not for those who, who are got, got it all together. They're not for those who are, are pastors or missionaries or... or it's for every person who has submitted themselves to Christ. Spiritual warfare is what you're in right now. It's what you're, what, you're, what you're dealing with. It's the reality around us. Spiritual warfare is a fact. Whether you believe it or not, whether you say, oh, this doesn't matter or not, that's fine. It's happening and it's real and it's impacting you. And we need to understand that God has called us to do something about it. He's called us to do something about our children, our families, our homes, our church, our city, King Supers, this state, this nation, and ultimately the world. Amen. Amen. C.S. Lewis said this, there is no neutral ground in the universe. Every square inch, Every split second is claimed by God and counterclaimed by Satan. This is the world you and I live in. Now, I'm sure some of our dear brothers and sisters from other nations are more aware of this, the activity of this. And and there are things, that's why we need each other in the body of Christ. So that we, we can help them, they can help us. But for us in this world, for us in this state, for us in this city, there is a spiritual warfare going on. Spiritual warfare isn't just about casting out demons. It's about practical, everyday things that Paul is talking about. And spiritual warfare is not an event. You don't go to an event to say, I'm going to go do spiritual warfare. No, no, you're doing it now, right now. It's happening right now. There is no non-spiritual moment of your life. You're doing it right now. It's something that we are in. So, so even every thought, every bit of influence over your life, every wave of fear, temptation, impulse, feeling, bitter thought, unforgiveness, suspicion, spiritual warfare. And it wants to impact you and, and, and affect you to keep you limited and small. Now, this is my opinion about Satan's spiritual warfare. Everything about spiritual warfare, if I, if I was to boil it down to this, it's to make you fearful and small and for you to believe that you're a victim and not actually the one who has the victory. But it's all about condemnation, shame, fear, Some of you are uncomfortable, I've even said spiritual warfare, because that's a lie of the devil. And so everything is is about don't speak up, don't stand for truth, hide your Bible, don't post scripture online, especially during Pride Month. Boy, you want to have a little bit of fun? On a side note, uh, the rainbow has never belonged to anyone else but God. The relationships you have in your home, in your marriage, in your friendships, at school, there's spiritual warfare. Now, all of that sounds overwhelming because you're like, man, how do I keep track of all of that? Great question. So this spiritual warfare is not an option, it's a reality. It's not about signing up for a war. It's not about getting a draft notice for spiritual warfare. Whether you want it or not. We don't send people out to fight the devil. The Bible says we are all already in a fight. But Paul's encouraging the church, though, and he says this, be strong, stand, because we wrestle. This is a life you and I have. It's the reality of following Jesus. It's the reality of what it means when you say, Jesus, I'll give you my life. And I submit myself to you and to your lordship and you as king over my life and my home. Jesus says, all right, come on. You engage in warfare. Now, though, you're in a position after you give your life to Jesus to push it back and to to enforce the authority of Christ that's already been established on the earth before you come to Christ, you're a puppet and a victim. After you come to Christ, you are the one who is the, who's the, on offense. You are the one who is moving forward. You are the one who is speaking truth. You are the one who is, who is loving truthfully and doing it in the name of Christ. And something switches, you, you become now victorious and you become filled with the Holy Spirit to tear down strongholds that the enemy has built in your life, in your community, in your home and wherever you live. That's, that's what's happened. And so when you come to Christ, that's what you're doing. You're not trying to to swat spiritual warfare like flies. No, you are smashing them and destroying them because that's your job. So we're in warfare. And so Paul says this. He says that, You are strong in the Lord, and look at this, which is, this is great. You're strong in the Lord, and you're to stand, and you're strong in the Lord, but you do it by what? By His mighty power, not by yours. Thank God. Because right, before you you really understand that you go, I can't, what do I do? I can't fight this. God's like, of course you can't, but I can. And I've given you my mighty power, to be strong in the Lord. So the battle we're fighting, we're not fighting in our own strength, we're not fighting in our own cleverness, we're fighting through the power and the authority of our mighty God. What we apply, was already been established, and we just apply it. We We don't conjure it up, it just is, because that's who we are in our identity. And so we are doing this in God's strong, mighty power, which is about his ability and not mine, which comes back to the gospel of grace, that it's about his saving our sorry butts and us not saving ourselves, amen? amen. So this is about him, an act of grace. Now, I've oft, I often say God doesn't, God doesn't do things alone. He loves to create family. He created the universe within, within the, the, the idea of Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. He created humanity. Why? Because he just, he, he likes people. He likes relationship. And so he has now engaged us to carry out his purpose on the earth. So that's the first idea I want you to get today, that the warfare is real. Number two is that in this battle, people are a distraction to the real enemy. So, so, so important you understand people are not the enemy. They're victims of the enemy but they're not the enemy. Now, Satan uses people. It doesn't mean that, that we don't set boundaries. It doesn't mean that we, we protect ourselves. Absolutely. But if you just focus on people, you will miss what's actually really going on. And so this, this second, this idea is that Paul says this, for our struggle in this warfare is, is not against flesh and blood. So there's more going on than the person. People who are deceived or people who are puppets of the enemy, there's more going on there. And we are to see them as victims of the enemy and not as our enemies. But then sometimes they do become our enemies. And then we pray for them. Because that's what the Bible says. But there's this understanding there is a spiritual world and more going on. So people are a distraction to what's really going on. So Paul was saying this. And one thing about this, he's writing to the church as well. So if you've been around church for like two seconds, you recognize that within church life, the enemy starts to stir stuff and where people become other people's enemies. And so the church starts fighting one another, and they're not fighting the devil. They're not walking in their authority. And so Paul understands this. He said, listen, your, your battle is not against flesh and blood. So we need to understand this idea. And so Paul was, I think, going out of his way to say, listen, we cannot defeat the enemy if we're fighting one another. This is not going to happen. So Satan knows this, and he completely convinces us that our real enemy is an individual or a group. And we pick, we pick up offenses that really cripple us from being effective at what God's called us to do and to be. So this can happen in our homes between husband and wife, children, a political group, a, a a sexual orientation group, or whatever it is. And we, what happens is our hearts are turned to bitterness towards the wrong enemy. And we lose our effectiveness of what God's called us to be, and that is salt and light. So it is a real deal. It's a, it's a real strategy of the enemy. And so, once you turn, turn and tell somebody, you're not the enemy. Just tell them. Some of you couples that got in a fight, you just say it again. Go ahead. <laughs> so we need to know how to fight. If Paul said stand, if Paul said be strong, and Paul said normal Christian life is like being a soldier, we need to know how to do it. Number three, something we need to understand: Satan has plans and strategies to carry out his plan. This is what many people don't understand—that there is a there is a it's he's a spiritual being who has a strategy, plays the long game, and so he uses people to deceive and to indoctrinate and to get humanity to live in such a way that is the exact opposite of why God created humanity in the first place. And so this strategy, this plan, Paul says this, put on the full armor of God so that, we can, so, so that you can take a stand against the devil's schemes. You can take a stand. You can stand strong in God's mighty power. You can, you're not a victim, you are victorious. You're not on defense, you're on offense. And Paul's talking about this idea, we need to understand that there is a, an enemy that has a strategy. And whether it's subtle or whether it's, whatever it is, it's, he he has studied us for a while. And he again is terrified of you walking in your authority. And so this idea is there's a strategy. And it's it's a this is a this is so important we need we need to understand that the, the kingdom of darkness is led not by it's not a force it's not a thing it's a it's a manifestation of 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 uh, an intellect of a personality of Satan and every evil now hear me every evil on this earth comes from the personality of a being called Satan And here's, here's, what's, here's what's great. Every good on this earth comes from the victorious personality and person of an uncreated being who is God. All truth, all good, all joy, everything good comes from our Father and our God. And that's great. But we need to understand, evil is not just something that happens. It's incredibly intentional. It's personal from Satan himself. And a lot of times these these strategies can come as thoughts. Like I said earlier, temptations. They come with ideas. They come with we hear something and it sounds compelling, but it's really a lie, but we believe it and then we act like the lie is true. Like this this is what's going on. And I'll share this with you. There are times and seasons in my life where I feel, I feel that the, there's a greater spiritual warfare going on. There's a, I, I just, I, it's constant. And there are there are seasons where you fight and you rest and you fight and you rest and God's grace is a part of it. And but we, I, I, I do it. Um, over the last few months, I've, I've had probably had more spiritual warfare in my life than I've ever, I can ever recall. And it was in a way that I had never dealt with, except when I was younger. When I was younger, I had a spirit of fear. I don't know why, I don't know what it was, but I was terrified of everything. And I was scared to death. In the middle of the night, i wake up, couldn't breathe, I couldn't walk outside, I, it was crippling to me. And my parents, I've shared this before, but they, I would pray in the middle of the night, please pray for me, and, and one night... Out of faithful, godly parents who were half asleep and looked their hand over on me while I was on the bed, I said, "Jesus, will you please?" And then that moment, everything broke and the fear was gone. But what replaced it with was the lion from the tribe of Judah. Is what it was. It was. It was this. I and then I was ticked off. You spirit of fear, you've been robbing me of my life. It's my turn to do some damage to you now. That's And that's really what happened that moment. But over the last four months, and uh, I haven't, I think I'd have shared this with my wife. So if not, babe, this is the first time. Here you go, love you. Um, I know, we're working on our communication. Don't judge me, okay? Uh, I've been getting explicit images of my family members dead. I've even had... Images of me dead and my family standing around, weeping, crying, and it, it rattles you. I've never dealt with that. So I began declaring things, I, you, will not, you will not die, you will live. I remember reading the scriptures, Psalm 91 over all these things, but it was a battle. And so this is one of the ways, if I was to ask you, have you ever, and has anyone here ever just had explicit images in your mind that you didn't want there and it was wreaking havoc on your emotions, your anxiety, and all of that? Raise your hand if that's ever happened to you. All right, look around the room. It's a strategy of the devil. But we need to understand, oh, this is normal. And then we take authority over it through what God has said about us. We need, to, if, you, if we don't normalize spiritual warfare, you're gonna just always think it's, you're, you're the one, you're the, what's wrong with you and why you and what, you know, all these kinds of things. You need to understand this is the strategy of the enemy. We are all walking in right now. But God's given us victory. So we need to understand this. We need to, we need to know that this is, this is the journey that God has us on. And once we understand it, then we can begin to take ground for the Lord Jesus Christ in our life, in our city, in our schools, wherever we walk, whatever we do. But we first must understand you're in a battle. And so this is, the, this is how evil, evil happens Evil beings have intellect and feelings. They communicate. This is how they tempt you. It's rarely audible voice. And the thought from the enemy is always a lie. That sounds like truth, but it's truth out of order. Truth out of order. I want you to understand that. What we don't understand today is that when someone says a, a, a truth, What's well, it's the Bible, yeah? But it's out of order because there's a proper order that our loving God gave us. Gave us the word in proper order, and so it's to be applied in that order. So there's the temptation of Christ, Matthew four. Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting forty days and forty nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, if you're you're the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he, so this is Satan quoting scripture, okay? For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you. They will lift you up in their hands so that you won't strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. So Satan took a scripture out of order to tempt Jesus. But Jesus, who is the word of God, said, "Uh, no, but it also says this, and this is the order. Don't tempt Jesus. Don't put the Lord your God to test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and all their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you bow down and worship me. Jesus said, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and the angels came and attended him. This is a very important point I want to stop and and want you to understand When Jesus was tempted, he had not yet been given, he had not gone to the cross, he had not risen from the dead. He had not yet been given all authority on earth. Because remember, the whole work of the cross was to, it was a a, a legal shift through Jesus representing mankind, taking the sin of the world upon himself, dying in our place, raising for the dead, it eliminated all penalty that we had to pay. He paid it all. Right. So by doing that, and because he was the, the second Adam, remember, remember the garden, Adam had all, he had authority, him and Eve, to be stewards of the earth. But they lost that authority. So it had not been taken back yet from Satan until the resurrection of Jesus. So in this moment, Jesus hadn't risen from the dead yet. Satan really didn't know what he was doing. Paul said, if Satan would have known, he never would have crucified Christ. But what, was, what he was using was the word of God. But I want you to understand something today. Because of the resurrection of Jesus, see, the Great Commission should be a, the fundamental foundation of everything that we are as believers. Jesus, after his resurrection said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and where? On earth. Therefore, because of that, you go, you preach the gospel, teach them what I've taught you and make disciples of the nations. But we need to understand all authority. So in this temptation, Jesus had not yet taken all authority. After the resurrection, he owns it all. There is no realm on this earth that does not belong to King Jesus. No realm. Our responsibility now is to, let's go back to the garden. Let's go back. Our responsibility as stewards now, now what stewardship means is you do things in the manner in which God would do it. You don't own. They didn't own the garden. They didn't own the the fruit. They They didn't own the borders. They were stewards. They were to care for it in the manner in which God would want them to. So now Fast forward, resurrection of Jesus, now we are stewards of the earth through Christ who now has all authority and he has now given it to us to walk out our authority on this earth in the, in the, under submission to the word of God in submission to him and apply the word of God in every situation to bring glory and honor to our king who is Jesus. That's where we are now. So this is why... We need to understand we're in a battle. All authority on this earth belongs to Jesus. Now, here's the question. Why are things like they are on the earth then? And I know there's some end times ideas. Well, things are going to get bad and things are going. Okay, listen. Yes, they, they, they will. But our mindset can never change. We were called and purchased by the blood of Jesus to reign as kings and priests on this earth. So this is not about our name. This is not about acting out and things so that we build our kingdom. This is about us making a decision that everything in my life, I wanted to bring glory and honor to Christ. It's about glory and honor to Christ. So Jesus has all authority. And, and so we see though that how Satan gets us to not walk in that authority is he takes truth out of order and he convinces us that it's true and we can't, it's so hard to discern it because every deception is wrapped in truth. Sorry, every, every deception has truth at the foundation, but it's wrapped in clever language and shame and guilt and condemnation, all those things. I remember during the, the, the BLM stuff, just made some of you uncomfortable, but I remember the pressure, black out your social, say, say Black Lives Matter from the pulpit, not saying something to saying something. I'm like, what, what is going on? Not, not saying something, saying, I, but saying something, saying, I, ha, it was, and all of a sudden, and I was praying. I was praying for you all. I was praying during that season. I, obviously I looked up the organization. Their main... It's crazy. They, I mean, one of their, their missions is to deconstruct the biblical family. So I go, wait, God, why? Why is this anxiety? And God, should I? Because of course we love people. Of course we don't want people to feel marginalized. Of course, God. I mean, racism is a sin. It's demonic. It's of Satan. And, but also burning people's buildings down. and I, Was anyone else confused through that? I'm not being insensitive, I'm, I'm talking about spiritual warfare. So I said, Lord, will you, will you just give me some clarity? And he took me to Romans 8. And I was feeling condemned because I'm white, I'm feeling condemned because I'm a church, and maybe we should be saying something. So because we want them to know we love them. And I was every every turn, condemn, shame, condemn, shame. Tell me Romans 8. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Okay. So then it wasn't about responding because of a demand from culture and shame and condemnation it was about lord help me to bring glory and honor to christ through what i do and i don't need to partner with a demonic organization to do so but i can still be faithful but it's those moments of spiritual warfare you felt them before confused don't understand Maybe you're wrestling right now because of what I just talked about, and, and you're already coming to conclusions about who I am, and it's bringing division between you and all these things. Listen, listen, we live in a spiritual world, and if God has called us in his word to stand, to be strong, to fight with one another, for one another, but to do it to bring him glory and honor, we need to back up and say, hang on, what's going on in the spiritual atmosphere? And let's submit ourselves to Christ to bring glory to Him, whether people like that or not. But this, we are in a spiritual battle. And we can become deceived when we believe truth out of order. So, how do we deal with demonic temptations, lies? James 4, 7 says, submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. What Many times we forget the first step of victory in the spirit realm is submission to the lordship and kingship of Christ and his living word. Step one. We do that. Then we resist. How do we know what to resist? We're submitted to the word. How do we know what what I should say or shouldn't say say? What does the word say? And so we go to the word and we say, this is not my truth. This is the truth. And I submit to King Jesus. And then the devil, he will flee from you. Submission, resistance, but not resistance without information. That's why we have the word. That's how we know what to resist. That's how we know what to stand for. That's how, how I know what to preach. That's how I know. It's, oh, why? Because the Bible says it. And it is our authority. It is our authority. We are not our authority. Friends, I, I have a role here at the church. I have a role of responsibility. And I can make decisions about things. But I, I'm not ultimate authority. This is Jesus' church. I promise you this. None of us pastors shed one drop of blood for this church or for you. It belongs to him, he's King Jesus. So that's how we, that's how we make decisions. And so people, are, I don't like that, that's fine. He does, I want you to do this. I, I'm not going to, because he doesn't, he didn't ask me to. And we walk our lives out in the spiritual world, taking ground and every right decision you make, every decision that you make based off the word of God, pushes back the kingdom of darkness. Every right decision. Because all good things come from God. And what you're doing is you're demonstrating and manifesting the kingdom of God that is not somewhere else, it's inside of you. And you're doing that in your home. Every time you go, turn that off, we're not watching that. You're establishing the kingdom of God. Every time you go, hey, sweetheart, I'm sorry, I spoke rough to you, you are bringing the kingdom of God because it's the principles of God. Every, every time you say, actually, actually, friend, I, that's, I, don't, I don't believe that because the Bible says this and as a Christian, this is what I believe. You're establishing the kingdom of God. Why do we have the world we have today? Because the church has not been walking out our calling like we were called to do. The great commission is go and teach them what I've taught you. Well, what did, what did Jesus teach them? The Word of God. He taught them they lived by the Word of God. And so they went into pagan nations and they taught what God says. Actually, this is how God sees marriage. This is how God sees parenting. This is how God sees sexuality. This is how God sees government. This is how God sees education. They taught them what Jesus had taught them and God used them to flip the world upside down. But they understood they were in a spiritual world. This is why we need the Word of God, so we can discern. We need the Holy Spirit to discern us, all truth, the Word of God, and we need each other. That iron sharpens iron. Because there's so many, so much confusion out there right now. And I'm seeing Christians being just drug away on a leash, and culture's holding the, the end of it. And they're like, ah, yeah, but look, I'm, I, I'm loving them. And it breaks my heart. We need to be able to speak into someone's life say, hey, brother, listen, I think you're deceived in this area, and I'll, be, I'll pray. Maybe I'm deceived. I don't know. Let's pray. Let's, let's go to the Word. And then say, no, that's what it says. All right, let's submit to that. Let's, let's submit to that. So, if this is what we have, the Word of God, the Holy Spirit, each other, then the enemy will do his best to discredit these things in our minds. Like, the Word, the Bible, isn't true. Why, why, where would that lie come from? Well, from the enemy. If he can discredit, then we won't believe it. Or, actually, that word doesn't mean homosexuality, it means pedophile. And so all of a sudden now they start changing the word and then believers are like, yeah, no, it doesn't mean that now. What, what? Truth out of order, apply if you think that, apply with the rest of the Bible, what does it say? Oh yeah, it's sin, okay, all right. But that's what happens, that's why we're seeing this happen in our families, we're seeing it happen to our children, seeing it happening on campuses and schools, it's a strategy of the enemy. Also, the enemy attacks the Holy Spirit that we have to discern, to doubt the work of Jesus in your life, to doubt your salvation, to to doubt that you're a child of God. So he brings in doubt. He also attacks relationships that we need one another, accountability in a community that keep our eyes open and we we need others to tell us when we're off. I promise you, if I got up here and said something stupid, I promise you, not only... Not only the pastors that, that work here, my board, I promise you, I'd get a phone call pretty quick. I promise you. And I like that. And we should like that in our life. We should welcome that. So the enemy has great strategies. So here's, here's, here's one of the things that I, I hope I'm equipping you today, I just, just a couple more minutes here. This is how you discern. One of the ways you can discern. It's not just spiritual, like, ooh, I know this is sort from of the devil. Ask this question, what would I do to me if I were the devil? Because you're like, well, I know what I would do to me. I would do Why? Well, I, Because you know you. So if it's a strategy, ask the question. What would I do to me? How would I get me to stumble? How would I get me to, to get off track? Well, this is what I would do. Okay, it's a pretty good chance that's the way the devil's gonna do it too. So be on guard and stand, be aware. Or, what would I try to do on my church if I was the devil? Will I bring disunity or cause distraction of the purpose and mission of the church? or I mean, whatever? Well, that's a pretty good chance that's probably what he's doing right now. Or what would, if I was a devil, what would I do in my family? What would I do in my marriage? We can, we can find out a lot by just asking the question, and we can find out the answer just by finding out what works that we're aware of. Yes, there are other spiritual things, darkness, all this demonic spirits, yes, I, yes, but God's given us a mind that is being renewed by the Word of God that we can cleanse our minds and be more discerning and, and to, and to uh, combat the things of the enemy. And so, God wants you to understand this. And what Paul writes is this too. Number four, you have everything you need for this battle. You have everything you need. You are not, you're not in this alone. You're not in this by yourself. And you have been given tools. And the war has been won by Jesus and you are equipped to stand firm and strong against the enemy's schemes. Amen? Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand, you can take your stand against the devil's schemes, strategies. And So next week we'll talk about those, those tools that you have. So, notice Paul, though, does say, doesn't say, put on your armor. He doesn't say, go get your armor. He says, put on God's armor. It's all provided for you. And you can walk in victory and confidence. And I, I find it interesting, Paul didn't tell them, hey, man, when this is going on, run for the hills. Or when this is going on, just, just get, get to the church and pray that Jesus returns. It doesn't say, hey, when this is going on, get quiet, get small, don't say anything, don't speak the truth, don't, don't lean in. He says, no, 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 hang on, hang on, you stand firm. Don't quit, don't give up, don't give an inch and God will establish his kingdom through just you standing. And standing with the understanding the spirit of Christ is in you. The same spirit that rose Christ from the dead lives in you to quicken your mortal bodies. You need to understand that the, the gates of hell, which are stationary, will not prosper against the church. So the gates of hell are to be charged by the church, torn down, dismantled, and it's at these gates, I don't know if you're aware of this or not, of the ancient cities that, that the strategies and decisions would be made about the city as a whole. The elders would gather there. The elders would come and, and, and talk about what's, what's the strategy and how we're going to fend off the enemy that's coming our way. It was at the gates they would meet and they would discuss. God said, Jesus says, I will build my church and they will dismantle the strategies and schemes of the devil. So, what is God asking you to do? It's time we understand our rightful place and walk it out in every day of our life. This means you can make a difference. This means you are not a victim, you're victorious. This means you have everything you need for this battle. This means you have the word, you have the spirit, you have each other in the church. We, we, have, we have everything we need. And so, friends, therefore... Let's stand. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's stand. Come on. (laughs) They're like, well, it's 1117, so I'm standing anyway. So it's fine. I don't blame you, really. Friends. I believe it's a new day for some of you. I believe it's a new day. I believe that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you're seeing things in a way that maybe you've never seen them before. And God wants to give you confidence to stand and to lean in and to trust God and to put on the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness and to understand these things and then to go and be what God's called you to be. First, self, then if you have a family, then in your family, and then from your family, whatever you do every day. Bring the word of God and establish the kingdom by your obedience to the word of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you today for who you are, your power, your presence, your anointing. Lord, help us to have a greater understanding of your work. Help us, Lord, to see the victorious reality of your resurrection. Help us to hear your words that all authority has been given to you. And because of that, and because we are in you, Jesus, because we are in your kingdom, we leave here today asking you to show us what areas of our life need to come back underneath the Word of God. Attitudes of our hearts, actions of our hands, the images that flash through our mind. Lord, help us to submit all things. And Lord, today, I want to thank you that this is your church, and we are your people. And you are watching over us, but you are inviting us to be about the things of your kingdom. And so we say yes. And we respond to the spirit in us right now. Lord, there's some of us who have believed a lie because we believe truth out of order. And so Lord, this is us. That's you, just repent Lord, just forgive me. Cleanse my mind. Lord, in the name of Jesus, just. Just remove every influence of the enemy. Now Lord, today we say yes to you. Just remain with your heads bowed. If you're here today and you do not know Jesus and you recognize that you have been deceived and you wanna give your life to Jesus and, and receive cleansing and eternal salvation and become a soldier in his kingdom, If you want to receive that and receive what Christ has done, just raise your hand right where you are. Nobody's looking around. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. Amen. Thank you. You can put your hands down. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. I'm so excited. You're about to go from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. (laughs) Let's pray. Let's all of us pray together. Lord Jesus, I submit myself to you. I repent of my sins, and I acknowledge that you are the king of the world. I believe that you died for me. I believe you rose from the dead, and from this moment forward, I'm yours. Do with me what you want. I will submit to your word, and I will submit to you. Lead me and guide me, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, let's give God a hand. Amen. If you gave your life to Jesus today, we would be honored to help you on your next steps. And you can find that at the, we have a a welcome counter out there. You can go online. There's a QR code, however you want to do that. Um, You can do that. We're so proud. If you need prayer at the end of service here, just come on forward. We would love to pray for you. Lift your hands. To God, Father, bless your people. Anoint them to go and be lights in the midst of darkness, salt in the midst of a world that needs healing. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. We hope you enjoyed the message. If you'd like to watch a service live online, you can join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. at live.faith.church. For everything else, visit faith.church. That's faith.church.